This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I honestly don't know what this video is going to be. I don't know if this is going to be a bonus podcast, a bonus video, if this is even going to go out. But I was asked about this in the Freelance Friday Club recently about this kind of wave of YouTubers who have announced that they're quitting or that they are scaling back or they're changing the way that they are doing things. And I felt called to address it publicly, share my two cents on it as somebody who is kind of a smaller creator than a lot of these people who are announcing this. And honestly, as somebody who has considered doing the same and who has really, I have really made a solid attempt this year to change my relationship with YouTube a little bit. I'm not fully quitting, but I do think that some things need to change. I think I've kind of reached a breaking point and I think a lot of people have, and I want to, I want to talk about why. The first thing is, well, you know, I think what we're seeing is mass burnout. I think people are just kind of acknowledging burnout and the new year is a good time to do that. For me, burnout, it really comes on not because of, oh, I have a lot of work to do necessarily, but it comes from this idea of wrapping my identity too deeply in with my work or with what I'm creating, YouTube in this case. YouTube is very all-consuming. YouTube is very unique, even deeper than like Instagram or TikTok. For me, YouTube really is all consuming because it just takes so much time. I think Marquise Brownlee mentioned this, like it's a dream job. This is a dream. I went to school for film. And so like the fact that I even get to work with cameras every day and especially get to do it from home and have complete creative control is an absolute dream. And I think because of that, it becomes so much of an identity. I think, you know, you could kind of equate it to like a professional sports player, somebody who loves sports or a professional singer or musician who, you know, that was their dream to do that. I'm sure that they kind of deal with those things too. The difference with sports is it has a, a pretty finite start and end time. You know, you usually are not playing sports past your 40s professionally. I think that's what it comes down to is we get too tied up in it and it's hard not to because of how consuming it is because I'm spending 10, 20, 30 hours sometimes on a single video. I'm going to have a certain attachment to it more so than if I'm just like doing a consulting call or even creating a couple of pieces of content that take me a couple hours um, that aren't necessarily about me and my experience and my life. It just doesn't feel as personal. I also think You know, YouTubers, pretty much all the YouTubers that I watch their videos announcing this, we all started out of this place of passion. Most of us in this category 
started years ago before the YouTube partner program was really what it was before the YouTube ecosystem, if you will, or, or uh, culture, climate, business climate, whatever. I've said it a million times before, but I didn't know you got paid from YouTube when I first started. I started YouTube because I was bored because I had a lot of creativity that I just needed to get out. And because I was kind of lonely, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends. I started my YouTube channel about makeup. I didn't really have girlfriends to talk about that stuff with, share product recommendations. And so that's why I created YouTube. The money was kind of a bonus. It was like, oh, this is a surprise. Well, once the money comes, you start to see patterns with it. Once you become full-time as a YouTuber, you have to look at those patterns. You have to play into what is making the money, what is getting the clicks, what is attracting the sponsors, what is doing this and that. And over time, I think for a lot of people, they realize, for myself at least, I've realized that what gets clicks and what gets views isn't necessarily the thing that I am 100% the most passionate about. Now, I feel lucky that I do really love what I create content about. I'm really passionate about helping people grow businesses and things like that. But like once in a while, I just want to post something creative and fun. I love editing vlogs. They're my favorite, favorite to edit. They don't get the views. So I have to limit how many vlogs I'm doing. I can't do only vlogs on my channel unless I want to basically kiss my, my income goodbye. So I think there becomes this weird, uh, disconnect with what we want internally, what we're passionate about, and just kind of playing into an algorithm. And I think I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing, if I had to guess. Now, another thing that I think a lot of people are experiencing is just a massive shift in workload, a massive increase in workload. And this really started in 2020, I would say. 2020 was such a weird time, as we all know, and I think we're kind of finally starting to analyze it. You know, I think we're a little bit far enough removed to really be able to say like, okay, what did that actually do to my psyche? And, you know, for me as a YouTuber, it was interesting because on the one hand, like YouTube businesses had never been better because people were at home, right? People were at home wanting to watch YouTube. And so everything was up for most YouTube creators. Watch time was up, engagement was up money was up. But on the other hand, too, I think that came with a lot of pressure. I distinctly remember, you know, getting on Twitter when when things were first shutting down. And I remember just going on Twitter being like, should we be posting? Like, is this considered a crisis where we should like kind of go fade to black for a little bit of time? And a lot of people were saying, you know, people rely on your content. Like we need to help people maintain a sense of normalcy and we need to be there for our audience. And I absolutely took that to heart. And honestly, it was an honor to for, for the people who did say something similar, like, hey, I really look forward to your videos. They're helping me, you know, stay motivated to keep my business going during this time. Like, it really was an honor to to do that. But at the same time, I think it was an incredible amount of pressure to feel like, well, what if I need some time to, like, breathe or grieve or scream, you know? And then the the big thing also that happened during that time was TikTok. TikTok, short form content, it changed everything. I don't know if it's for the better long term, um, at least when it comes to for YouTubers, you know, one could argue it's another distribution channel. It's another way to grow your audience and to get get new eyes on your content. 
for me personally, and for a lot of people I talk to, a lot of YouTubers I talk to, it just added a step to the production process that doesn't really do a whole lot. I don't get traffic from TikTok. I have maybe heard from like two people who have told me, hey, I discovered you from TikTok. I'm doing all these shorts. I'm adding this step to the process. I'm learning new softwares, learning new platforms, learning new tools for kind of like nothing in return. And we do it because we feel like we have to. And we do it because of this feel feeling of like FOMO of, well, I don't want to miss out on a potential audience that I could get. You know what I mean? So where am I going with this? I think the workload has has increased a lot for YouTubers for, for little reward, for little in exchange. And it's just too much. It really is just simply too much. Similarly, it's really hard to scale a YouTube channel, at least a YouTube channel of my size. Maybe for the folks who have multi-millions of subscribers who are making multi-million dollars per year from YouTube, it might be a little easier. But for myself, I'm at this weird point where I am making good money from all that comes with YouTube, not from YouTube directly. We'll talk about that as another point. But from all that comes from YouTube, I am making good money, but I'm not making good money to the point where I can, you know, hire 12 people on staff full time. My traditional business advice would be, well, hire out for your weaknesses. So I think about the things that I don't love doing on YouTube, uh, I guess short form, maybe I could have people edit that, but because I edit my own long form, it just makes sense to just kind of do it all in one full swoop. So that's not really that easy to outsource. Otherwise, honestly, what is hard, I wouldn't say is a weakness, because clearly I've had some success being an on-camera personality, but what is the hardest for me is filming and I can't replace myself. We've seen YouTube channels try to do that, bring in new hosts and things like that. Some people do it all right, but most people, most channels who do that, they, they notice numbers go down. And then even if it just comes to like, Hey, helping me set up, helping me test out my audio, make sure everything's working correctly. That's such a hard role to hire for because you really need to be here in my home with me. And so unless you're a good friend, I'm not going to just hire some random person off the street to do that. And then if I hire a friend, well, there's a lot of weird stuff that comes with that too. So it's just a very hard job to scale in my opinion. And because of that, we go back to the workload thing. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot and it's hard to scale. Which brings us to the money. I'm not gonna, okay, okay. First of all, I wanna say, just to reiterate, I'm so incredibly grateful for YouTube. It, it has really helped me launch my career, honestly. I don't think I would have the business that I have without YouTube. It has been a really amazing experience overall. However, I do think things are changing when it comes to the money on YouTube. Shelby, uh, what's her name? Shelby, I know like five Shelbys in my personal life, so I'm messing up her name in my head. I'll put, put it up on screen if you're watching. Anyway, she did a video about this and she mentioned how, you know, a lot of her influencer friends, they're making more money on Instagram or TikTok nowadays because ad budgets have just shifted a little bit. And I've experienced this to some degree as well. You know, sponsors are looking for that instant gratification a little bit more. They're less likely to want to invest in anything that takes a long form, long-term relationship to really work. 
But then also something that I don't see a lot of YouTubers in these videos talk about, and maybe this is just a me issue, maybe this is just, just a smaller YouTuber issue, but for me, YouTube AdSense has also decreased drastically. I can actually pull up the receipts. 2021, I made $49,000 from YouTube AdSense. So that's just the ads that play on the videos. 2022, I made $61,000 on YouTube AdSense. And 2023, I made 39,000 on YouTube AdSense. So I made less than I made in 2021 when my audience was way under 100,000 subscribers, got less views overall. Obviously that is just one income stream. I always teach, I always recommend nobody relies on one income stream and I have never relied on YouTube AdSense. It's always been like a bonus money, you know, a little bit of bonus money. However, for definitely at least for 2021 and 2022, I could be like, you know, that's that's like my mortgage or my mortgage and then a couple of bills in some cases. And so I sort of treated YouTube like my day job. Like I was like, that's my salary, you know, $60,000, that's a salary. That's not the case anymore. And this year, <laughs> I'm scared. Let's just say that. This year is, knock on wood, pro probably gonna be like way worse. Now, I've always said that I'm always gonna do YouTube and that is the truth. I love YouTube. Like I said, I love YouTube for the creative aspect. I love it for the memories. I love it for just like something to do. Again, it started as a hobby, but... Will I be doing business and entrepreneurial, you know, five tips for this, you know, giving all my best advice away for free forever if I'm not going to get paid for it? No, I might just start vlogging, you know, vlogging my life, doing travel vlogs. I don't really know, but you know, okay, I had to change my SD card. So hopefully we've got enough time. Where was I at? It's lonely. Being a YouTuber is lonely. I think being a freelancer, working for yourself is lonely because we work from home a lot of times. Where usually one person shows, at least in the beginning. But I think YouTube has a particular type of isolation involved. I think one, because it just takes up so much time because the work is so alone. Like it's not like I'm like, oh yeah, it takes up so much time because I'm in client meetings or because I'm going to events or, you know, something like that, working on a team. It's like, no, editing, staring at my own face takes up a lot of the most of my day. You know, it's like I only see myself most of the time and it just gets to be a lot. And I also think, you know, for a lot of people, if you don't live in LA or maybe New York, it's like there's not a real community. I have like one friend who is a creator. He's a TikToker though. So it still is like different. There is a lot we can connect on. We talk about brand deals and whatever and commiserate and celebrate together, but it still is a little different. Like I don't really have any YouTube friends, at least not in person in my local area. If I want to really do YouTube stuff where I'm not looked at weird for pulling out my camera or I don't know, anything like that, I got to go somewhere. I got to go to an event. I got to travel to LA or whatever. And then like my experience and I don't want this, anyone to take this the wrong way, but you know, I'm a Midwest gal. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. I don't want to, I don't want to slam anyone, but I've just had a lot of negative experiences, honestly, trying to make friends with other YouTubers. It's very competitive. It's very fake nice. You know, I miss the days when I just worked in corporate and went to lunch with a colleague. And that was that, like, it wasn't Who's better than who? Who's more popular than who? It was just like, let's hang out and talk and, and shoot the sh 
you know? Another thing I think that we're seeing is just this idea of wanting more privacy uh, as we get older. You know, a lot of these YouTubers are maybe having families or just getting older. I personally, you know, I started 10 years ago. I was 20 one or 22. And yeah, I think as you get older, you start to see things in a different, a different way when it comes to privacy and also safety. I have a couple of experiences, I guess one's a little more funny and one's way more serious. I guess I'll start with a funny one. Like my first kind of reckoning with this was when I broke up with my college boyfriend. I dated a guy the last couple of years of college, wonderful person, nothing bad happened. I I needed to start my career and we had differing, differing goals on where we wanted to move and what we wanted to do. And when I moved to Detroit and started dating somebody new, I got called all kinds of things. Oh, I'm a cheater. I moved on too fast. I did this. I did that. Where's your boyfriend? Because I had put my ex-boyfriend on my channel so much. And because I didn't announce to the world that we had broken up, we had been broken up for months and months and months. But because I didn't make this loud acknowledgement of it, you know, people thought that I I broke up with him and got a new boyfriend the next day, I suppose. It made me realize even though I wasn't making content about my relationship, just making it about my life. And of course, I was going to share the characters in my life, I suppose. People get very invested in things that you don't even realize. Like, I understand we all want to be good citizens. We all want to be good people. We all want to support people who are also good people. But like, it's getting a little deep here, right? And I think the other thing I realized was that a lot of the audience who's watching me was in a different life stage, I guess, than me. And I'll get to this because this is another point. My last point is I think there were people who couldn't really wrap their heads around the fact that I could break up with somebody and it not be this dramatic tabloid type thing that it was just, oh yeah, like we grew apart. Let's be friends. They expected this explosive, you know, crying video. That's probably how I felt relationships were when I was like 15. I learned from that, I guess, about how much I want to let people in to my relationships, how much I want to speak about them publicly because it was a weird vibe. Now, fast forward eight years or so, and I haven't really spoken about this publicly, but last year, this time last year, actually, I had the FBI at my house because of something that happened because of YouTube. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it. The reason I haven't talked about it is one, because it was just like too traumatic and I was, it just like, you know, I just kind of want to put it out of my mind, but also I didn't want to attract more of that kind of energy or enrage the person if they were watching who did it or anything like that. But yeah, you know, there are real life things that happen and you can be the smartest, safest person. You know, I'm very, very careful about what I show. I don't talk about exactly where I live, the town I live in. I, you know, I try to keep things as private as I can, but even still things can happen. So I submitted a report. Uh, you can Google it link down below. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to link to it, but if you just Google like report a cyber crime, there is a way to do it because the problem is if you just report it to your local police department, like the person might be writing or, or planning something from a different state, you know, so it gets a little messy. So you got to report it to the big guys. I reported it. And the very next day, they're at my home. Anyway, safety and privacy. I think as we get older, a lot of people are like, is this worth it? Do I want something terrible to happen just because I wanted to be a YouTuber? Do I want my personal life to be constantly critiqued and judged and, you know, 
gawked at, I suppose. And I can't even imagine if you have kids or something like that. The last thing I want to talk about, and I think this one might be just a little personal or maybe a little bit more relevant to women. I haven't necessarily seen a ton on this. I did see one video and I cannot, again, on my memory, like what's going on. I cannot remember the person's name. I've only seen a couple mention this, but aging, getting older on YouTube is very strange. I think YouTube has this kind of very youthful culture, which partially I love, you know, it's like keeps me young, but I also think there is an intense pressure to stay young forever. And I mean that in a lot of ways, again, I think particularly for women, um, that means looking young, that means looking like I did 10 years ago, but it also means like acting young. It means liking certain trends or like, I like long podcasts like this. I don't like a lot of cuts. I don't like a lot of edits. I just like a nice clean image and like feeling like we're having a conversation. I like reading books. I like going to conferences. Like that's how I prefer to take in knowledge. And again, going back to the top of this episode, that's not what feeds the algorithm. You know, unless you're talking about something scandalous, like a breakup and crying and making a big dramatic thing about it. Like this is not what performs. And then, yeah, again, I think maybe this is more relevant to women, but I think there's this intense pressure to look a certain way. And everyone will say, no, there's not. And I will say, I look at my analytics and I see everyone's like, oh, just like go on camera. However, we don't care. But I look at my analytics and it's just, I'm sorry, but that's just not true. The rider dies. The people who are listening to this probably don't care. You guys are all lovely people. But again, the algorithm doesn't work that way. Yeah. I don't know. Also just staring at my face for so long has made me really hate my face in a lot of ways, which makes me sad because I've always been a very, not very, but like a normal level confident person. When I go out in the world, I feel confident. You know, when I, when I experience real life, if you will, I feel confident. And then like, it's not even necessarily that people say nasty things. I mean, I have gotten nasty mean comments, of course, but it's just this idea of like tying success to aesthetics. That is just a little depressing. I don't, I don't like feeling like I can't age. I don't like feeling like I can't have a, an issue with my body or my face and not make money or not, not be able to not, not be liked. I suppose have so much performance rely on how I look. I'm just like really rebelling against that. I guess the older I get. All right. So with all that said, one of my favorite responses to these videos was from DSLR shooter. His name is Caleb. I've been watching him for years. I will link it down below, but he really reframed this as like, here's what I'm going to be doing differently. Watch that because that's basically what I'm going to be doing differently. I agreed with pretty much everything he said. I think the big takeaway for me, like I said, I have considered, is this a year I just throw in the towel? 10 solid years. We did it. I I don't want to. I have too much to say. And from a business side, it still is absolutely crushing any other traffic source that I have. So I do think there is a lot of value in it. I still think it can do a lot for your business. So I'm not quitting YouTube, but I am reframing my relationship with it. I am reframing very, I'm trying very hard to reframe my relationship with the algorithm and pleasing it. And, um, you know, just doing content that I want, even if it's as simple as like, you know what, like I said, these are the kinds of videos I like. I know not everybody does, but part of it is I need to curate more people 
who like what I like, you know, who like what I'm doing and vice versa. And so if I'm constantly creating content that that is in a style that I actually don't like, well, I'm only going to be attracting more people who, you know what I mean? It's this, you understand what I'm trying to say. I need to be creating the content that I really love creating that I, yes, feel it can help people, but also that will hopefully attract an audience that is in line with what I want to do. In the weirdest way, the YouTube AdSense issue has actually, I think, been a bit of a blessing because, yeah, we look at 2021 making 60K on AdSense, 2022 making 50K on AdSense. I think it kind of forced me to pay a little bit too much attention to the algorithm. You know, it kind of forced me to operate on, well, this is kind of my full-time steady paycheck. Let's do what's good for that. And now I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, whatever. There are no rules anymore. And so I'm kind of excited to break them. I'm excited to have fun. Continue to provide you value, of course. Please don't unsubscribe. But I think we can do it in a way that feels good for us both. And that isn't so demanding. But we'll see. We'll see. So there's where I'm at. There's my kind of analysis of the situation. There's my personal note on the situation. I appreciate you listening to me ramble. I think it's been quite a while. So let me know what you think. And I appreciate you being here. If you're listening on the podcast platform, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Latasha James and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.